Hey there, it's JVL. On The Secret Show with Sarah Longwell today, we talked about Nikki Haley's Joe Biden is going to die line. Uh, and then we talked about participation trophies in youth sports. Here's the show. Uh, all right, Nikki Haley. Nikki, why don't you, you take the Nikki story? So here's what I like about this Nikki Haley Our story. Our optimistic, sunny, Reaganite conservative Nikki Haley has come out and made her case for why she needs to be president to lead America into a new, new time. She was just like, <laughs> and here's the thing. This is, I, I've also said, made the, said this, but it's funny as a, as a, like, declared candidate, she says this. Uh, and so I'm not positive how I feel about it, but she basically, like, said, Joe Biden's going to die in the next five years. Uh, like she just like said, Joe Biden is very likely to die in the next five years. And Ka- we're going to Kamala Harris is going to be the president. And I'm sure I've said this on this podcast. I don't I, I think it's it's weird because it is both morbid, but like also true. Like, I don't think you should. We shouldn't pretend that people in their 80s don't pass away or have major health complications. Mm-hmm. It's sort of silly to pretend like that's not true. Uh, on the flip side, it's like. I've, but I have always said, like, this is what Republicans are going to do. They're going to run against a dead Joe Biden and a live Kamala Harris. Like, that is their plan. Um, and but what, so it was interesting to me. Like, I've always I've always said that they were going to do this. But I thought that they were going to do it in like like a slightly more subtle way, <laughs> like I guess. Uh, and like leave it to other people to, to talk about actuarial. But like she's she's just putting it out there. They're like, he's probably going to die in the next five years, uh, which is. Mona was like, this is a terrible thing to say. And I was kind of like, it it does feel terrible. Uh, and I guess I didn't think they would be so explicit. And yet, uh, it's not, I guess I just don't think it's insane for candidates. Like, they're going to say he's old and that this is a, like, threat we will face. And this is where the Kamala bar is much higher than people think. So uh, I think it's actually good for Biden to have it out in the open and to have Republicans saying it in the grossest possible terms. Yeah. Because everybody's going to be thinking it anyway. And to me, the Biden response writes itself, right? The, the response to this is, look, God has blessed me by getting me this far. None of us is promised tomorrow, no matter who we are or how old we are. I know this because my son died at, you know— 51 or 47 or however old Bo was, right? Uh, None of us is promised tomorrow. All we can do is take the time that we are given by the good Lord to work hard and try to make the world a little bit better for, for our kids. And one of the reasons I chose Kamala Harris was not to balance a ticket or anything like that, but because I believe that God forbid the worst should happen this is a woman who's prepared to lead this country. They should not try to – I said this last night. Don't try to paper over or say, no, no, she's not – they should run very hard and like Kamala Harris is a governing partner and just like lean into that. And part of that, I think they need to let her – let Kamala be Kamala. People people tell me – I had lunch with somebody who knows her pretty well this week and uh, – uh, said, you know, what's weird about it is that personally she's very affable and kind of goofy. But when <laughs> she's in public, there's like this weird robotic, I got to be somebody else. And let let her let her just be herself. 
Well, we've talked about this. You said this. I've now said this to six other people. Sometimes you say things and I think like that's such a smart way to think about it, which was having having like she has like the political yips. Yeah. Right. She's in her head. She's nervous. And so she starts like word salading when she could just uh, I was I was I was talking to somebody who had saw her at an event and it was like at Howard. So she's speaking to like the black college kids and like she was amazing. They were just like that version of her yeah. is because Split she's be comfortable. Yourself. They love her. I do think there's you know, think about how much better it is. Like this is like tr- part of Trump's what Trump has going for him. How much better it is to speak in front of a crowd of people who love you. You are more comfortable. You feel like yourself. You don't feel all up in your head and tight like you do when like uh you don't get to have your please clap moments. Um yeah. you know, Tim will talk about this about Jeb like getting the yips, getting in his head and suddenly like you feel like people don't like you or they're not and like you just you you start spinning. And I think um yeah, if she could sort of, she should just imagine the whole audience is uh, Howard University college students who adore her. And, in their underwear. Uh, in their underwear and no. just, yeah, go from there. Yeah, just work from there. and let I, her I agree her. with you. This is actually very smart advice um, that I hadn't, I, I've, I've been thinking more about like how they really need to get her out there, rehab her, not just rehab, but like, especially since, you know, the focus groups, people do not care for her, but especially in dem focus groups, there's a lot of just unfulfilled potential people are mm-hmm. like why well, I, I liked her i wanted to see her but i just haven't seen her which means there's like a whole opportunity to they want to like her the dems and so she could rebuild support by just showing up and being you know exceeding their expectations which is kind of low right now yeah um but yeah, your point sense. about biden kind of not shying away from it because a big part of i think rebuilding confidence for her is the White House showing that they have confidence in her? And I think they totally have. I mean, the, the launch video has her in it 15 it times. It does. It does. Right. I mean, they they are not – they shut down any talk of replacing her, right? I mean, this is – which, again, is a thing that happens almost all the time in presidential politics. The incumbent president is tempted to, to push – the Obama White House people talked about getting rid of Biden going to their reelection. Uh. <laughs> That's a thing that happened. Nobody remembers it, but it happened. Uh, we don't need this old white guy anymore. This guy's got no future. No future. <laughs> he just, he's crazy. He just says stuff. He goes off script. He gets out over his skis and, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that lean into it and I don't know. I, I feel okay about the Kamala. I feel okay about the running against a dead Joe Biden in a live Kamala again. Okay, I think that you should not if, feel good about that. That I think is too far. No, not but. good. I didn't say good. I said okay. <laughs> okay. Because you know Trump is likely to be the nominee, not hundred percent, but Trump is four years younger than Biden. He's also very old. Trump's vice presidential pick may not be somebody who forty eight percent of America would be thrilled to see as president should he pass away. Right. And uh, I don't know. Biden. Look, Biden has been living with death in his life since his his wife died and his kid in a car crash. Right. This is again, this is how I think Biden can just talk about this in a very human way that everyone will connect with. Yeah. I don't think you should talk about it too much. No, not too much. But I think you're right. He can like like, add a debate. Right. You can see the answer for this at a debate. You know, my wife was taken from me when she was X years old and my daughter, too. My son passed away when he was however old he was, right? Um, what I have always known is that none of us are promised tomorrow. Doesn't matter yeah. who we are, right? Yeah, yeah. 
No, it was nice. You should write. You, did you write this? Have you written this? You should write this. No. Should I write this? People will read Good it. Piece. Yeah? Yeah, well, you I should. I like it when people read my things. Would, I, would I, you read it? I would read it. Oh. Uh, I read your, I read the one this week uh, where it was like, Joe Biden's going to be the president and you're going to like it. Uh, it was like the most JVL piece ever. Did you like it? Uh, I, I I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. I, it was good. Uh, okay. Wait, can I just can I just uh, just not to turn it make it about uh, Trump and DeSantis really quickly? But um, <laughs> did you see the picture this morning of DeSantis having he's in Israel and he's sitting he's in, like with Republican donors he's sitting next to Miriam Adelson, uh, Sheldon's uh, late late Sheldon's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not late. She's alive. She's having dinner with DeSantis, and she's like the richest. Republic. She's the biggest. She was Trump's biggest donor, mm. and so it'd be quite a coup for DeSantis uh, to make her his donor. Uh, although she said apparently she's sitting out the Republican primary, hmm. uh, but but it's like somebody got a photo and it's like him talking with his hands, and she's like looking at her plate or like looking at her phone. It's unclear. <laughs> she just doesn't look that excited to be talking to him. Uh, but there was this piece. Jmart wrote this piece. I don't know if you guys have talked about it on any of the pods. Did you guys talk about it with Amanda? Or did it come out yesterday? It came out yesterday. This is the one where the very shrewd Republicans said, eh, we're just going to have to go down to the basement and ride out the tornado. Right? Yeah. We'll come out to rebuild once it's over. That's great. Uh, it's great stuff. And I just think it is amazing how quickly people have gone from Trump is too weak, he's not going to be the nominee, so I don't have to do anything, to Trump is too strong, he's inevitable, so I don't have to do anything. Yes. Like, who could possibly predict Where was that middle place where, like, uh, agency <laughs> happened? And I would just like to go on the record here and say that I do not think Trump is inevitable. I only think Trump is inevitable if everybody continues to behave as they are currently behaving. So he's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no, DeSantis, I don't think he is. DeSantis has moved up his um, launch date uh, to the middle of May because I think his people are just freaking freaked out. out. Yeah, uh, and I can't wait. I I think that again. I I think he is likely to be the nominee. I think the odds of Trump being the nominee now are better than fifty fifty. Yeah, uh, I do not one hundred percent, but you know, sixty forty, seventy thirty. Uh, all right. Did you? Did, but, but we also haven't talked about how he's like also saying like maybe he won't debate. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting. I I think that this is him working the refs to get the debates in to get the debates to a format that he wants. Uh, because here's the thing about Trump, which I, I admire in a way. Uh, I mean, the guy just plays to win. Right. And, he, you know, he wasn't a good fit for Iowa. He wasn't going to do well. And, you know, it was going to be very, very hard for him to win the Iowa caucuses in 2016. And where the traditional Republican move in that case is, if you are a candidate like Trump, who is like soft with evangelicals at that point, which is what he was, then the move is to all the consultants would tell you, listen, we're not going to put a lot of resources into Iowa. We're going to lower expectations for Iowa and we're going to focus on New Hampshire and we're going to, you know, we're going to downplay Iowa. We're not going to play too hard there because we know we won't win. And Trump's position was I'm going to run everywhere and I'm going to win everywhere. Yeah. And that's a good position, it turns out, right? Like this is this is what you should do. And, you know, like he skipped the one the one Republican debate with Megyn Kelly. Uh, no, he did the Trumper. debate with Megyn Kelly. 
No, there, there was another one, I think, with, uh, well, maybe it wasn't me. He skipped one of the Republicans. He skipped debates. one of the Fox debates because Brian Kilmeade uh, shot it at Rana. She was on saying, uh, they were like, Trump says he's not going to debate. And she was like, well, you know, we're going to work with all the candidates. And Trump was there for all of them at the center of the stage. And he debated. He never shied away from debating. Kilmeade was like, yeah, he did. He didn't show up to our debate. Uh, and she was kind of like, yeah, he skipped one debate. Uh, I remember think- when he skipped that debate and there was like Ted Cruz said the only funny thing I've ever seen him say, what which is he, he opened up the debate by being like, let's just get it out of the way that you're disgusting. I'm disgusting. We're all idiots and morons. And now we have completed the Donald Trump portion of this debate. That's funny. Yeah. It been funnier if Ted Cruz didn't go around. Well, I don't want to make something crude. I don't want to say something crude to make you blush. Uh, all right. Let's get to the thing everybody really wants to hear, which is participation trophies. In <laughs> This is what everyone wants to hear. North Kakalaki, three Republican state legislatures are pushing around a bill which would outlaw participation trophies in youth sports because it's amazing what people think should be dealt with by our legislatures these days because what is happening right now is that we get these kids and we just give them all these participation trophies for everything in life when they're five and then we send them to these woke schools and then they go and they become dance majors at wesleyan and then they show up to their office and they demand raises from their bosses and these these commies you're getting you just it's like the, i basically agree with all of this i agree like with them Wilford on this brimley um, yeah i agree with this I, it I does start like with to, participation trophies. Okay. So uh, you were at the beginning of the youth sports roller coaster. I am. I would like to posit to you that we have two big problems in youth sports, neither of which is participation trophies. Okay. Uh, the first problem we have in youth sports is declining participation. Yeah. Kids aren't doing youth sports. Uh, one of the things I believe we, we typically, when you're conservative, believe in is incentives. Right. If if getting kids to do sports means like throwing them a five cent hunk of tin and you know, saying, hey, it's great that you came out for soccer this year. You get a trophy for it because we're trying to incentivize them for coming out for soccer next year. Then this is a good thing. What we want is more participation in youth sports because being the, what is important about youth sports isn't the trophy you get, but the fact that you're doing it. Right. That's where you what you learn in youth sports is the stuff that comes from doing youth sports. That's that's where the most of the you know kids don't walk away from these sports and the big lesson they took from it was that they got a trophy. The big lesson they took from it was that they were on a team. They learned how to get a, how to get around how to get along with other kids. They learned how to follow instructions. They learned how to push through and do things that are difficult. They learned how to win with grace or to lose with dignity. Right? Those those are the real things. This idea that these aging southern boomers gosh i'm being so good look at me look at me i'm not even doing the words that they think that the 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 big thing that a seven-year-old takes away from a season of of tra- of uh rec soccer is that they got a trophy and that that's what molds them and is is insane yeah but the second problem and the much bigger problem is that we have done in youth sports is the exact opposite of participation trophies we have professionalized it yeah, we have pushed everybody, no matter what. If you are into fencing, then you have to be part of a fencing club by age 10 in order to make your high school varsity fencing team. 
if you play baseball, you have to be doing baseball year round, year round. If you want to make your middle school team, forget the high school team. Well, and do you even play for your t- high school team or do you, are you on your traveling team? And that's the real team. You're on both of them, right? The traveling yeah. team is more important than the high school team, right. as it turns out, as I, as I am finding out right now. Uh, well, and what we have done is we have made it impossible for a normal kid or normal parents who don't have the thousands of dollars that it takes to be involved in all these travel leagues uh, and to do the private lessons and to give the time to schlep. What happens if you have three kids all within five years of one another who are all in travel time? You literally can't drive them from place to place enough. It's, it's impossible. It is an impossible ask. And so we are making sports at even the middle and high school levels the exclusive preserve of highly motivated, well-to-do parents and kids. Yeah. And that is the problem. The problem is not participation trophies. Now, is there a remedy for this? Maybe the remedy for it, which I have seen bandied about by people who care about this stuff, is actually increased funding for rec sports. Because a lot of what happened in in one of the uh, instigating events in the explosion of travel programs and travel sports teams and club sports was the slashing of local rec budgets. And so as local rec sports began to disappear, private travel stuff filled the void. Uh-huh. So if you, if you wanted to avoid, you know, attack the sports industrial complex, then what you could do is spend a little more money to make sure that your, you know, the local community center stands up an extra rec soccer league or an extra rec basketball league for these, you know, for the kids who don't want to be professional basketball players by age 11. Yeah. But, you know. The Republicans in North Carolina, they found the real problem. And and and, and another thing. <laughs> what is what is the proposed uh, solution to this? So we outlaw outlaw participation trophies. Are we going to have participation trophy police who show up to every game to make sure that nobody gets an award? Are they going to are these guys going to drive across North Carolina every single Saturday afternoon to make sure that no 7-year-old anywhere is getting a trophy or a medal that they don't deserve? What it is madness. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Sarah, if you would like to defend this for your standards of excellence because I I joked with somewhere that the Sarah Longwell position on this is that forget just banning the participation trophies. Kids who lose games should have to show up at school on Monday with T-shirts, branding them as the losers <laughs> so they can learn the value of winning. Uh, I mean, I you know, the, my biggest, my only real thought on this is once again, like we used to joke about Democrats, the Democrats, whenever Democrats would see some problem somewhere, they would be like, there ought to be a law, right? <laughs> there ought to be a law about now. this weird cultural thing I don't like. And I was always like, there shouldn't be a law. Civil society should take care of most of these things. And we definitely don't need a law. And now it's just Republicans being like, you know what I don't like? These these boys becoming girls and so i'm gonna make a law against it and why i don't like kids getting participation trophies so i'm gonna make a law i mean you know this is like what culture's for this is what civil society's for and uh you know and also they are pretty it is like i i I, my kid my kid one of my kids played soccer 
And by played soccer, I mean sat down on the field. Picking dandelions. uh, Yeah, pulling grass for much of the season. And when he was given his medal, um, I was a little bit like, not sure he earned that. Did you <laughs> but, did you take it away from him no, and tell him that he could have not. it once he of earned it? Of course not. He like sort of treasures this, you know, metal. It's like oh, in that's his just room. the problem, isn't it? And well, you know, and the thing is is I do want him to play again. I'm not sure he will. I'm not sure it's his bag. Um and so I think that there's an eight. Here's the thing. I think it's different for little kids. And I think when you get old, it's I'm not I'm not a parent who's at the, you know, six year old baseball game. You know, shouting at my kid to, I am shouting at my kid sometimes, but it's usually like, stop sitting down. You must stand up. <laughs> like, you know, or when he hits the ball and he looks so surprised and I'm yelling, run. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the most of my shouting. Um, but you know, at some point you sort of shift to a place where like, okay, you're grow, you're, you're a bigger kid now. And like, we don't give you trophies just for existing. And I think that's okay. None of my kids have ever gotten any sort of participation trophy. Flash has gotten one trophy in his entire life, and it was when they won the Little League Championship. That's yeah. There, there ain't been no trophies in our our world. Again, it's been exactly the opposite. But maybe, maybe I'm just in a bubble. And in North Carolina, participation trophies are an epidemic. Did you keep your trophy? So I had, I will say, as a like my bedroom, as like a teen, had my trophies and my medals from my various sports endeavors. And none of them were like, here, this is, you know, it was all because we like won the middle school playoffs or whatever. And, uh, or like, or it was like your most valuable player award or whatever. And Never they're got special. A one of those. Huh? Never got a single one of any of those. Okay, at all. Well, I, mean, I did three sports. They're special because they don't give them to absolutely everybody. But, yeah. Uh, certainly for little kids. In a hard scrabble, New Jersey, we don't give trophies to anybody. <laughs> unless you unless you bribe the official. <laughs> you palm somebody at 20, you can get yourself a trophy. That's the New Jersey way. I'm glad you admit that you live in New Jersey. Gabagool! <laughs> hey again, it's JVL. The conversation goes on from there. If you want to hear the rest of the show, head on over to Bulwark Plus and subscribe. We'd love to have you. <laughs>